Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Lasser. I'm Yarina Sension, and this is Bilingual in America. Hi, I'm Yarina Sension. Professional learning is most effective when educators have the option to personalize the experience and communicate meaningfully with other educators who share their focus. At its core, it is the key component to improving educator practice and providing new perspectives on an ever-changing profession. Excel Leadership Academy is pioneering the way in creating unique opportunities for educators working with young language learners to do just that through their micro-credentials program. Our guest, Lauren Avery, also known as Rini, leads the work of UCLA's Center Excel in the Northeastern United States. With more than 30 years of experience in the K-2 public education arena as a researcher, a technical assistant provider, and a practitioner, she developed and leads professionally learning for all teachers to support a high-quality, equitable education for English learners. Avery's publication credits include co-authoring the 2020 book, Putting Students First, A Game Plan for Personalizing Learning. Dr. Christopher Cluet, with his 30 plus years of service, has served as a multilingual educator to language learners, a principal, a superintendent, and currently as an assistant professor of education at Mitchell College in Connecticut. He actively participates on advisory boards such as the Urban Education Leadership Program and is an active member in his community by volunteering his time to support various organizations. Let's listen in as these educational leaders share this exciting and unique opportunity for teachers of language learners with co-host Suzanne Lasser. Today I'm joined with Rini Avery and Chris Cluet. And today we are going to be talking with them about a very interesting project that they are involved with. Before we get started, I will have both of them share a little bit about who they are in terms of their professional worlds so that our listeners have an idea of the kind of work that they are involved in that supports and promotes those things related to bilingual and multilingual learners. So welcome to both of you, Rini and Chris. Thank you for okay. inviting us. We appreciate being here. Yes, wonderful to be here. And uh, Chris, I will let you start since uh, you are a repeat guest for us. Why don't you just remind our listeners a little bit about what you do, what you're involved in, and why you are excited to be here with us on Bilingual in America. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne. Uh, I started as a bilingual teacher in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I was a Portuguese-English bilingual teacher. It was in a trilingual school. So every we used to joke, everyone speaks with an accent at some point during the day, right? Um, and, uh, and I worked there as a second grade teacher. 
and uh, it really uh, grounded my work in education by virtue of that experience. Later in life, I, I taught in high school. I was a high school principal, and I served 20 years as a superintendent, district superintendent of schools in, a, in several districts, and, uh, and was involved with creating a lot of dual language programs and have now migrated to being a professor of education where I am preparing the next generation of teachers to take on this work. So I'm very uh, delighted to be here with my um, good friend and, uh, and colleague and partner in Project Excel and other things. This is something that has really made a difference in the lives of teachers and in the lives of children. And I'll certainly let Rini give some more detail to that and then we can have a conversation. Sounds great. So Rini, Tell us a little bit about you and your work in all things related to bilingual and multilinguals. Thanks. Thanks, Suzanne. And thanks, Chris, for, for laying out the groundwork for me. I've worked in education 40 plus years, I would say now, and started as a classroom teacher. I came up in, I grew up in New York and attended school, went to public schools in New York City and taught there initially. I moved to Rhode Island 30 some odd years ago, and I've gotten involved in the, the research practitioner end of this work since that time. I've done that at the Rhode Island Department of Education, then Brown University, and, and now I've been with uh, UCLA's Center X, which is the teacher education center of UCLA. Yes, the one in California. People always ask me about that. Yeah. But yeah, we have a small office where we provide technical assistance and support for public schools in the in New England. It's actually in Connecticut, and um, been doing that for 16 years now. The Excel work itself started. I've always worked with with teachers who were working with at-risk students, and. Oh, I think around 2005 or 2006, uh, part of the work with, with my friend, Chris Clouet, that we saw there was a great need for was supporting teachers, educators who work with English learners in the classroom, in the, in the art classroom, in, the, in any, any place that kids go during the day, because while most students we're getting strong ESL support. Most, that's not true in every school. They were still spending a great deal of their day in mainstream classrooms with teachers who were very well-intentioned but didn't have a clue how to, how to really reach them. So that's where Excel started and it's grown and developed since then. And, and here we are, you know, 15 years later, the project's evolved, the work has evolved, and, and I think we figured out a few things along the way. So. so we're excited to hear about some of those nuggets that you have uh, you know, unearthed during your 15 years in this work. And it's interesting to hear, right, that this is still, or to think that this is still a challenge area for us in terms of making sure that we have teachers who are not only qualified by a, you know, a license, but really prepared to provide access to content for all students, but especially our students who are coming here learning English as a new language. So you are involved with Project Excel, and I know that it's you know, work that you've done here in New York and Connecticut and now in Rhode Island. 
So talk a little bit about what this idea of micro-credentials are and why this is so important because it was new to me when I first spoken with Chris about this. And I think it's important that we get this information out. Absolutely. Micro-credentials mean, they're one of those words that mean a lot of different things to different people. And in practice, they mean a lot of, we came to the micro-credential universe after a lot of years looking for a way to really honor the, the work and the growth that the teachers we were working with had accomplished. We spent a number of years hoping that the State Department of Ed would, you know, would do something to acknowledge what was going on and recognize teachers and, you know, and quite frankly, you know, pay them for, for the, the work that they're doing, the very complicated, skilled work that they're providing in the classroom. Eventually, we came to the realization that, you know, if we got out front of this and did it the way we thought it should be done, you know, state departments would come along. And we're actually seeing that Rhode Island, probably last year, created what they call a, an MLL endorsement. This is the first in the country, and, and teachers can actually earn that via the Excel micro-credentials. And we're working with other states to do that. The process itself is allows teachers to, to access learning that's out there. You know, there's the knowledge is there. There's no secret locked up in someone's head about how to work effectively, you know, in a bilingual setting or, or whatever your setting is. Lots and lots and lots of, of studies and books and conferences and not hard to access. So we set up a pathway where teachers can access it through reading, through conferences, through discussion at their schools, and then try things out in their classroom because that's where the learning happens. That's where traditional PD falls short. You know, it never supports that implementation. And with a micro-credential, teachers do something in their classroom, they reflect on it, and they create a portfolio showing what they did and submit that. So they demonstrate their confidence through, through actually doing something, not for classroom hours or... And we've, uh, there are actually 12 micro-credentials. We've aligned them with, with the best standards out there with TESOL and NABE and the WIDA standards for teaching, some state standards. So it is a way for teachers to demonstrate they've mastered the skills that they would get in a traditional university-based program, but they're doing it in their classroom. So. That's one of the things I like so much about it is that it's teachers working with um, and supporting teachers in the context of where they do the work. So as opposed to the, the classic where it's, you know, in the auditorium or it's, you know, at the hotel conference room, this is, and some of those things exist as part of this mm -hmm. journey, but, but it's actually in the classroom with the students that the teachers are working with, with colleagues that are not supervising them, that are not, you know, there's not that tension about some kind of judgment or something like that. It's really teachers helping teachers and it's framed I think really, um, you know, thanks to uh, um, Rini's uh, foresight on this, in a way that you can take small steps. You can go for all 12 micro-credentials, you can just do a few. 
and it it frames it in a way that is a little less a, a little less difficult in terms of time commitment than for instance going for another master's degree right there's nothing wrong with that but but instead of going for another master's degree you could do the micro credentials and and really feel confident in your ability to do the work at a very high level based on your um, work with colleagues and your work with the people the individuals that actually assess your work. So there is some level of assessment, but it's not in the classroom. It's, it's your reflections and things that you write that then are read over and looked at. We, we've worked with, uh, Remy and I and Project Excel have worked with um, a platform, um, Bloom, Bloomboard is a national platform for micro-credentials and we've worked with Bloomboard um, pretty effectively so far. Yeah, and, and I would just say that, you know, this, the focus here is on practice, experimentation, you know, letting teachers dig in where they want to, have control over what they're doing and how they do it, and and being accountable to themselves and their colleagues for their professional learning. And they go as fast or as slow as they want. There's no, the expectations are set by the, by the group that's working together. One of the things that I've been so impressed with is the way it, it um, very effectively, the, the whole Project Excel model um, engages parents. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes parents in any setting are sometimes um, unlikely to get involved or, or don't feel welcomed or, or don't feel like they bring anything to the table. This is um, designed in a way that you really see some absolutely astounding, uh, beautiful interactions between children and parents and children sometimes presenting things, you know, kids presenting things and the parents are there and, and, and some are speaking Spanish and some are speaking um, Chinese and some are speaking Urdu. And yet there's this real warmth that gets created between teacher, student and parents in a way that you oftentimes don't see. And Chris, I think that that's a reflection in large part of, of the amazing teachers we've yes. had the chance to work with. One of the micro-credentials actually focuses on family engagement. So that's recognized as one of the pillars of success for students and that teachers need to know how to do that effectively with the parents of children who do not speak English as their first language, that there are unique skills and approaches. The other side of it is as more and more teachers go through this process, we build up this, you know, this vast resource of everyone's portfolio, all the different ways they approach all these different projects, because we don't prescribe them, you know, they, and, and you know, teachers are creative. So we just have this exponentially growing body of knowledge in people and in portfolios of, you know, oh, you're interested in, in supporting student voice, I can connect you with 10 teachers who have done really interesting work in that area. So we share. So this is pretty phenomenal because everything that you've touched upon is so salient in what we know about building success and support, right? So starting at the core level where teachers can choose to do one or, or, or all 12 at their own pace. The fact that they're looking at a practice and then they're experimenting in the classroom. Teachers are supporting teachers in building their capacity and, and understanding. And then this connection between the home, the student, and the teacher is amazing that um, 
all of this work, which I know has probably taken you many, many years to build up to this point, is now being looked at by state you know, ed departments and recognized for the value that it's bringing. This is a very different model than the traditional PD, as you said, that takes place at a conference in a theater or auditorium, um, or even virtually these days, because with students in the classroom, that's when we get to see if something can really be applied and improve the way that we are offering access and making sure that students are gathering meaning from what we are teaching them. So what do you see as a next step as you continue to be involved in this work? I think, Chris, you know, one thing is thinking about it in terms of your partnership with Mimi, um, but also in your role as, you know, a professor who, you know, as you said, you are educating the next group of educators, right? You're preparing them for what's ahead. Well, one thing that um, I think has become clear to all of us, I think all of us in this conversation, certainly, and, and, and many of our colleagues that we've worked with, you know, in schools, that, and that is, everyone is a ELL teacher. Um, you know, at this point, it, the way our country is developing, all teachers are teaching students that are English language learners. And that's a, and that's a good thing, um, but it's something we need to recognize and provide skills and also a sense of confidence. I, I think what, what we found in the past is that sometimes teachers that were quite capable didn't feel confident and didn't feel affirmed sometimes by their building leadership. And by doing this work where teachers work with teachers, there's a building of confidence and then actually a building of skills, a skill set that really makes a difference. You know, one of the things that that becomes apparent immediately to teachers that participate is that every teacher is a teacher of English learners, certainly, but every student, every student is also learning academic English. Right. And these strategies and approaches are so helpful for so many native English speakers, you know, the, the student who's struggling to read or, or whatever. We have, I would be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't point out that the U.S. Department of Education has funded most of this work, been very supportive. It's gone, you know, beyond just writing a check for, um, they've been really supportive and involved. And we just received new funding for a project that's going to reach out in northern New England and look at what this means to teachers in what we're calling rural and remote schools. There happen, there have always been, but there's, you know, there are many immigrant resettlement centers in northern Vermont, in, in you know, the called the uncharted territory in Maine, you know, in really rural areas. And there may be one family in a in a whole district with teachers who have never worked with English learners before. So, and there are no ESL teachers or specialists handy in, you know, sometimes in for, for hours. So we're, we're really excited about that. There's an awful lot to be learned about and a really willing population of teachers to participate. So, so that's where our focus will be on the next couple of years, continuing this and, and looking at what it means in maybe less traditional settings while we continue the work in urban and suburban areas. Yeah, definitely the, the outreach. And it's important that we 
think about those rural communities, right? And hopefully with the new infrastructure uh, work that's gonna begin, we'll make sure there's greater connectivity. And so that even when there are teachers who are miles apart, we can still provide access um, on a regular basis. If it's not live, then uh, through virtual means. And uh, it's great to hear that Dr. Cardona and the U.S. Department of Education are on board and hopefully will continue to, said, as you said, not just to financially support it, but actually back this valuable work because mm -hmm. all students and all teachers can benefit from it. So yeah. what if our listeners are interested in finding out, you know, they, they teach in New York, right? They want to find out if they can pursue these micro-credentials. How can we guide them into um, learning more about this amazing work that the two of you are, have pioneered and are now um, making sure it expands to an even greater group of educators? Yeah. Um, folks could always reach out through our website, which is excelleadershipacademy.org. There's lots and lots of information on micro-credentials there, as well as other things. We have actually set up a nonprofit arm that that can work with teachers, school districts, you know, anyone really, outside of our grant funded work who wants to participate. You know, there's a small charge associated with that, right? To cover the costs. It's a lot less expensive than traditional professional development, certainly. And and people will get access to the same types of supports and you know, in the platform and everything else. So it's there, you know, we, we welcome, we talk to anyone in the country, you know, more than happy to, to make this happen um, for anyone that's interested. Meanings here on Bilingual in America, we have a hashtag and the hashtag is speak your beauty. How do you think that you speak your beauty? That's a big hashtag. <laughs> that encompasses a lot. We have um, a lot of passion. That's where that comes from. We have a lot of passion. Yeah, so, yeah, so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna push it. <laughs> Absolutely. So for me, it's about a a student that finds their their welcome into learning, into America, into a community, through their school, through their teacher. As a child myself. You know, school was a school was my home, was my refuge, was really sort of my place of comfort, and and that would be that would be speaking my beauty that that the teachers who are involved in this act as that portal for the students they're working with. Mm -hmm. And Chris, what about you? And so I would I, I would um, just add to that that. Um, being a, a guide on the pathway is something that uh, brings joy uh, to uh, to me, and hopefully um, that is something that is shared with the students and the teachers. Antonio Machado, the Spanish poet, of course, famously wrote that uh, caminante no hay camino, si hace camino al andar, traveler, there is no pathway, you make your pathway by walking. Well, um, I'm, I'm happy to be a guide on that pathway as, as part of this work and seeing the future as an intergenerational project. Well, you definitely both have given us new information to digest and to share with those in our bilingual, multilingual community. And I thank the two of you for all the work that you do and encourage both of you to continue to speak your beauty. 
thank well, you. Thank, thank you so much for inviting us today, Suzanne. We appreciate it. Yes, and and the same to you. Speak your beauty as well, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you. Excel Leadership Academy, providing out-of-the-box opportunities for teachers to forward language learning excellence for youngsters. Authentic work that truly respects the teacher's journey while enhancing teaching practices that advance our language learning students. To learn more about micro-credentials, please visit ExcelLeadershipAcademy.org. We thank our guests today for bringing light to this opportunity. May it develop and grow new ways for you to speak your beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. By sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm Bilingual in America and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast, you are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback. Follow us, like us, share us.